sometimes you just have to like go put yourself out there even though you like really have no business doing it and then just like gain the experience and then you can go back and see what you change and like do it better. Hey, I'm Caroline, and you're listening to In Her Nature, the podcast and community where you can learn from others' experiences to make your next adventure more approachable. Annie, thank you so much for joining me on the pod. I'm so excited to talk to you in like a fun, somewhat formal setting, but also just catch up on how you are and how the season's been going. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, Annie, how has the fall been for you and what's keeping you busy? Oh, fall has been really fun. Um, I got back from a big trip to Europe in September, um, like mid-September, and then I jumped right into um, helping coach the cross-country team here, the high school cross-country team. And so, yeah, it's like a 30-minute drive um, from Leadville. So driving down here um, most days out of the week, um, doing that in the afternoons, and then we have meets on the weekends. Um and then I also got to um, pace one of my athletes I coach online um, at the Moab 240. Um, so I was gone for a week doing that. Um, and he finished Moab 240. It was like his first time running over 100 miles, which is really cool. Um, and then got back from that. And then we had the regional cross-country meet and the team made it to state. So yeah, it's been a really fun fall just coaching and my running has been like pretty chill and easy. So nice to focus on other people. <laughs> yeah, totally. Is fall normally like your off season from your big races and everything? Yeah, yeah. I usually take um yeah, some time off in the fall. Um usually my last race will be like October. So yeah, I usually take a break in November and I like to go back to Wisconsin <laughs> um yeah. for Thanksgiving and um, yeah, it's just some nice downtime after the season to kind of regroup and then get back into, um, a training build through the winter. So oh, that's so cool. Well, I guess one thing I wanted to touch on is you already kind of said it, but Leadville is home for you. That's so cool that you started coaching. I feel like that's a really cool way to like give in or like incorporate yourself in the community and work with people that are just kind of starting their running career. Like that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really fun. The head coach asked me if I'd be interested in it. And um, it's like, oh, that'd be so fun because, you know, it's just been a while since I've run cross country and it'd be a cool way to like get back involved with that sport. Also work with up and coming runners. Um, so it's cool to work with kids like in person and then also do like the online ultra coaching for adults yeah and what is like the main subgroup of people that are more of your like adult clientele like what is that kind of population made up of yeah so I have um one girl who she's a couple years older than me so in her 20s and then um yeah most people are like in their 30s or 40s and and yeah they all have like pretty time consuming jobs and kids and they want to run these like really long ultras. So like always trying to kind of put the puzzle together um, to fit training into a busy schedule. Um, but it's fun. And yeah, <laughs> so far, like they've all had um, really great success. So that's so fun. And you mostly like your coaching style, is that mo mostly for like the longer ultra stuff? Is that kind of where your specialty is in terms of coaching that clientele? Yeah. When I was originally hired onto the team, like 
was kind of supposed to be like the 200 mile coach um, since I have like the most experience with that distance out of the other coaches. Um, but my first athlete I ever got was actually training for a road marathon um, <laughs> when I, yeah, first started coaching. So, um, and I've never done a marathon still. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought I was supposed to train 200 mile runners. <laughs> I'm training someone for something I've never done. <laughs> Weren't they running like the New York City Marathon? You're like, I don't, I've never been to New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he also lived in New York and had run the race before. So that helped and just kind of explained like the course and, you know, um, what he had available to him to, like for training. So yeah, and I just basically like took what I, you know, learned from cross country and kind of applied it to um, the marathon and just made like the long runs longer and like more mileage, but incorporating like some of the same workouts. And he ended up running uh, PR. Yeah, the New York City Marathon. And it was a really hot year. So I thought that was cool. (laughs) That's so cool. That means you can really coach it all. If you can do like 14 year olds running a 5k, (laughs) I don't know the distance they do in high school, but and then all the way up to 200 miles, Anna, you can really teach it all. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Okay, you touched on it a little bit, but you come from like a cross country track, really traditional running background growing up. But like kind of briefly, would you be able to kind of explain to people how you got to where you are now? Yeah, it was pretty unintentional. Like I was always interested in ultras, um and I always just really like to run long. Like the long run is always my yes. favorite. <laughs> yeah. It's very Uh, true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I always felt like better, like the longer I ran. And so it was definitely a dream, like, oh, I can't wait to run a marathon. And I was always told like, oh, you have to, you can't do that till you're older because um, you'll lose all your speed or whatever. So um, (laughs) that's why I never tried it when I was in high school. But I wish I did. Like, I wish I ran a marathon when I was in high school. And then I ran in college um, for a year and a half. And moved to Colorado from Wisconsin. And, um, you know, I heard about ultras and I lived in Wisconsin, but, you know, there's just not many of them there. And there's just not as much of a like community of ultra runners, I feel like. Um, there's more of like a road or like marathon kind of running community. So um, it just wasn't something that, yeah, I really saw that much until I moved to Colorado. And it's like all these ultra runners and, you know, the Leadville 100 is right here. And, um, like endless trails. Um, and <clears throat> I just became really fascinated with climbing the 14 years. Um, it's all the 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado. And yeah, just made it a goal to climb them all. And um, yeah, I was just like hiking and um, really enjoyed that. And I decided I wanted to be um, like go into the outdoor industry in some form and maybe be like a mountain guide or something like that. Um, so I ended up quitting the cross country team because I just kind of wanted to explore mountain climbing and trail running. Um, but I never thought it was something that I would be like good at or competitive. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I was just really going to do it for fun. And I was also just really burned out in racing. Um, just that cross country atmosphere in college is so intense. And, um, I took it very seriously. I don't know. I was pretty serious all through high school, but in college, I took it really seriously, like at another level. So I think that was like also part of the burnout. Um, 
but I don't know because I'm I'm just like a very all or nothing person and like I'll just like put everything into like if I'm interested in something I'll put everything into it but if I'm not interested I like won't try oh yeah (laughs) give it the time of day so um (laughs) it's good if you're like really into one thing I guess which I would venture to say Annie you kind of (laughs) are and you found it and you're good at it so I mean it's working (laughs) thank you I'm glad I found something (laughs) but yeah so I quit the team and I was like well I guess I don't have to stay in Alamosa I was going to school at Adams State um and I was like but yeah if not running here I could go to another school um and so that's when I moved up to Leadville and I figured that would be a good place to get into trail running um since there's a huge community of ultra runners up there and like the Leadville 100 is there so I figured there'd be a good community. Um, And yeah, it just opened so many doors for me uh, moving there. And um, that's kind of how I got my sponsorship was just like connections. Um, This guy, Brian Metzler, writes for Trail Runner magazine. And um, in the beginning, I was just, you know, I climbed all the 14ers and then was just kind of like dabbling in trail races, but I didn't really have like any results to show. And like, I was really just doing them for fun. Like I wasn't trying to like be good or anything. Um, and I was also doing all these challenges like that I just kind of made up on my own. Like I did, it just runs from like my house to the top of 14 years and back. Um, and yeah, I did this one that was like 50 miles, like up the two tallest 14 years and back from my house. Um, and he heard about that and like some other things I did. I did the collegiate loop, FKT, um, that was 160 miles. Which, just to like humble brag a little bit, just recently was beat by Courtney DeWalter. So, I mean, that's like a serious, like, I remember when you did Collegiate Peaks, we talked about it after, and you're like, yeah, I saw some cows that were actually trees. Like, we talked <laughs> all about it. And <laughs> yeah. that was kind of, I feel like, one of your first, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like that was one of your first ones that you were like really proud of. You're like, I did this, like, I crafted this experience. And it happened, like it worked, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge deal for me because I had only done one hundred miler before that, and really had no idea what I was doing there. So, like, yeah, to do an organized race and to plan your own one hundred and sixty mile like race for yourself right. is like a totally different thing. And yeah, it, it was a big deal for me to like organize um, the logistics of like you know my support crew and the pacers and everything, and then. Um, yeah, just all the planning that went into that um, when I really just had no business doing that at all. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was like a miracle that I <clears throat> finished that. But <laughs> I so like I've scrolled through the Google Doc you've shared it with me, and like it's extensive, Annie. You don't give yourself <laughs> enough credit. I feel like like I was like I would have never thought about that. I would have never thought about that. And it's so <laughs> like you have things down to a science. So I know you're. It seems like it. I can't believe it happened. But like you did put a ton of effort into like planning, orchestrating, prepping your body, like doing all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that goes back to like, if I'm really interested in something, I'll like put everything into it. <laughs> um, Which is cool. It's cool to see that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, that guy, Brian Metzler, um, heard about that. Um, and he was like, I'd really like to write an article about you for Trail Runner magazine. Um, and so we did the interview and he's like, what shoes do you wear? I was like, oh, I wear Hoka's. And he was like, oh, well, are you sponsored? And I was like, no, like what? <laughs> he's like, oh, well, 
I know people at Hoka. Like, I'll tell them about you. I was like, okay, like, <laughs> that's really nice of you, but they're not going to be interested. Like, <laughs> I don't have any results. Like, I've done this FKT, but like, that's, I don't know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so he told them about me, apparently, because I got this email two weeks later. Um, and I just, I had that conversation with him and I really thought like, okay, well, that's the end of that. Like, that was really nice of him. But yeah, to get this email two weeks, two weeks later and the athlete manager um, wanted to set up an interview with me to see if I'd be a good fit for the team. Um, and in the beginning, like my contract wasn't something I could live off of, but it definitely helped me um, a lot. So I was, you know, like working another job and trying to, trying out this professional running thing. And I just signed with Hoka um, when I ran the Leadville 100, uh, like right before I ran Leadville. And so that was like kind of the first, it was like my first like bigger race. And then, um, yeah, also my first race like sponsored. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I better try to compete here. I guess like, <laughs> like now I'm sponsored, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of like your first day at work almost. I know, You're like, well, really I got to show up to my first day at work here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely felt that way <laughs> but yeah and then I ended up winning it and then my 240 right after that so it's just like like I'm glad I was able to get like a good result after signing with them because I just kind of felt like some imposter syndrome like I didn't really belong there <laughs> yeah well in Annie not only did you win it you're the youngest person to ever win the Leadville 100 like when you did it so like we need to hype you up a little bit and if people didn't hear that it's 204 like Moab 240 is 240 miles like not only did you do Leadville, like, that's just crazy. I don't think people, people in the ultra community understand these things, but people who maybe have never even fathomed that, that's, that's like a huge deal, Annie, to be able to do that in like one season. You know what I mean? Oh, thank you. <laughs> you really, you really showed up to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. So you're a unique guest. So not many of our people we have on are necessarily like professionals and you do qualify as a professional athlete. It's what you do full time now. It's interesting to hear you say that you experienced imposter syndrome. I know when I think of a like a professional athlete or someone that does this all the time, I would never assume that. I would be like, they got it dialed in. They probably feel nothing. When did you recognize that it was imposter syndrome and how did you like work through that? Even just like wearing the uniform like to the start of the race, I was like, man, I just feel ridiculous. <laughs> like, I, um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, it was all just really exciting to me. But at the same time, I was like, I I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really done anything to, like, deserve this. I mean, I did have, like, some things, but kind of got in at, like, the right time, like, when they were looking for more athletes. Um, whereas, like, now it's, like, really hard to get a sponsorship with Hoka. I think after, I like, I got some results and that kind of, like, validated, like, okay, I belong here. And then I got a better contract when I resigned um, that I'm able to, like, live off of now. So I just, like, building up results is kind of when I realized like, okay, I can like deserve this, I guess. Like adding experiences to your tool belt almost yeah. in a way. Like you're kind of slowly collecting like the experiences that make you feel like a real athlete, which is honestly refreshing to hear because even us, that's a real thing just with people, I think in general, like building those experiences up and feeling like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing now. I have all these things that I've done. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, so you talked a little bit about experiences. How were the races that you did this season? Can you kind of give us a run through on what you did and how it went from your perspective? Yeah, um, so I did two 50 milers. It's prep 
they were kind of like at the end of a big training block um, for uh, two big 100 milers this year. And the first one was in April, uh, the Canyons 100. That's in Auburn, California. And then the other one I did is Hard Rock 100 um, in Silverton, Colorado. And yeah, that one is just like a really difficult, like mountainous course. Um, You stay at really high altitude for most of it. It's really hard to get into. So I it was my first time putting in for it, and I got in this year. So, yeah, it was just, like, a really cool opportunity to um, be able to do that. And, yeah, I – and then I did this uh, 250 – or 230-mile race um, in Switzerland, and um, it took 105 hours. So I was out there four full nights and five full days. Um, <laughs> so – yeah, that was definitely an adventure. <laughs> it sounds like an eventful race season, Annie. That's wild. First off, I think each of these have really interesting stories behind them, but Canyons was crazy hot, wasn't it? It was crazy, yeah. crazy hot. It was crazy hot. Um, like historically that race has been like in the sixties. Um, so I didn't, you know, I'm tr- training in Leadville all winter. It's like I live in the Arctic. <laughs> it's freezing cold, and like, and we're always running in snow. And I literally left Leadville for the race in a snowstorm, um, <laughs> and I get to the race, and um, it's like ninety degrees, um, like in the nineties, um, and I think it even got up to like maybe a hundred, like during the race, like in the peak, um, the afternoon. <laughs> so it was like hotter than Western states, and a lot of it is on the Western states course, um, mm-hmm. which is. I really, for people who don't know, Western States, it's like one of the biggest ultras. It was the first um, 100-mile race in the country. And um, yeah, definitely one of the most prestigious um, races in the sport. And so that was like part of the reason why I did this race was it's a a UTMB series. So top 10, go to UTMB. And I wasn't trying to go to UTMB, but I just thought it would bring like good competition. um, And... Yeah, and then a lot of it was on the Western States course, so I kind of get to see part of the course. Um, so, yeah, that's why I did that one and just was not prepared for that heat. <laughs> it was just like a crazy, kind of a freak weekend. Um, and, yeah, I was in third place for, like, the whole day, and um, the top two women were maybe, like, 20, 25 minutes ahead of me, which is, like, a pretty good gap. Um, and I was, like, just trying to relax and like get through the day and take care of myself. Um, Cause I knew that that was the, he was going to be my nemesis. I was just like really trying to stay on top of hydration and like outer cooling methods, like a lot of ice and electrolytes, like all the things and like not going too fast. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to survive through the day and like take care of myself and then push at night. And finally got dark and cooled off and I felt really good. And I made up like, 10 or 15 minutes in like one section and then um there was this part where there was an out and back and I could see exactly how far ahead they were and I was definitely gaining so and they were like right together um so I was like okay like I'm I just need to like stay strong <laughs> I can maybe catch them um and then yeah around mile 70 I just left an aid station I was like a couple of miles down the trail and it was like a mile down a paved road and then you got in the single track trail and so it was a mile down that single track trail and all of a sudden just had this like really heavy breathing and like really intense tingling in my hands to like the point where I could barely feel them and I was like 
man, this is weird. Um, I was like, I'm just going to like slow down, like walk, <laughs> calm down for a second. Um, and yeah, so I started walking and then I got like really dizzy, like to the point where I could like barely see the trail and um, just really nauseous as well. And so I like sat down on the trail and threw up. And then as soon as I threw up, like my arms and hands like seized. And so I couldn't like use them at all. Um, so I was like, okay, something is like seriously wrong here and I'm still breathing really heavy. So I'm just like laying on the trail, just like, like with my hands, like all seized. Um, and I was like, well, I guess this is like my DNF. Like I can't run like this, like something's seriously wrong. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to wait till someone like runs on the trail, I guess, and, like ask for help. Cause I like, literally couldn't get my phone out or anything to like call. Yeah. Oh, it's so scary. Yeah, it was really weird. Um, And I just, like, didn't know what was happening. So, yeah, a runner with a pacer um, came by, and I went to ask for help, and my mouth had seized. So I, like, go to, like, open my mouth, and it, like, would not move. Oh, my God. They probably thought you were having, like, a stroke or something. That is so scary, Annie. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been scared if I saw someone like that. Um, but like internally I felt like pretty calm cause I was like, well, at least I'm still thinking clearly. Like I, I'm aware of like what's happened, you know? Um, yeah, like you're conscious, which was yeah. huge. Um, so that kind of gave me comfort in a weird way. Um, but <laughs> the, yeah, the pacer stopped, um, cause I was like, oh gosh, I hope I'm not like holding up someone's race. Um, so at least it was like the pacer that stopped to help me and, um, he got my phone out and this part like really made me laugh inside. <laughs> he like holds the phone up to like open it and, um, unlock it and the face ID wouldn't recognize me. <laughs> I was like, wow, I must be like really messed up if the face ID won't even recognize me. <laughs> and so then I'm laying there like, three, <laughs> like two, like trying to like say the passcode. <laughs> <laughs> still let him in my phone <laughs> um <laughs> oh my so god like, that's insane phone, and then i'm like telling him like olga you know um who so- okay wait olga is your mentor like and your coach and like yeah <laughs> you gotta explain to people who olga is <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so olga um she's been like a huge mentor to me and she was she's been crewing um She's really helped me like get a jump start on my career, and I definitely would not be where I am without her. Um, but yeah, she's helped crew me like from the the Leadville race was the first one, and that's like really where I was able to progress a lot. Um, she just helped me get through the aid station so much faster, and like gave me such good race advice. Um, so yeah, she she was there crewing, um, and so and it's funny the guy who helped me, his name is Life. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're saving my life right now. <laughs> life. <laughs> you're like, whoa, thanks for saving my life, life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you got it figured out. It ended up being hyponatremia, right? You were low yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. So he, he called Olga and he's like, we'll be there. She's um, like center a pin of like where we were. And we just had to get a mile up to her because um, we were down on that trail and she could drive like down this paved road um, to get to us. So he helps me up and he's like, do you, um, want to try like taking a salt pill or something like just to get through the smile? Um, cause my legs were fine. It was just like my arms and hands and like my mouth. Um, 
And so I got up to like walk and I tell him where the salt pills are. I'm like, what's pocket? <laughs> and so he like gets the salt pills out, like feeds them to me. And I take like 10 steps up the trail and I like all of a sudden got some feeling back in my hands and started talking more normal. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's working. And I was like, I'm going to take another one. So I took another one. And then, yeah, like I felt a lot better. Um, and so I was like, uh, would you mind calling Olga and telling her that I'm going to keep going? <laughs> He's like, what? You're like, you were like literally unable to speak to yeah, me. And now you're going to finish this race. I, know. <laughs> I think like at any other time, like I would have definitely stopped. But I think I was just, I was definitely in race mode. And like, I was like, okay, well, I'm fine now. And I knew also like, if I went up to Olga, she's going to be like, she's also from Russia and has a really thick accent. So she'd be like, what is wrong with you? Nothing's wrong. Get back out. <laughs> she's just going to send me back out there anyways. So, <laughs> so I'll keep going. Oh, that's funny. I mean, there is something to be said. If there are serious issues, DNF is not a big deal. But that is funny that you guys were able to find it so quickly. Like yeah. the salt tabs. That's so like quick thinking. That's really cool. I know. I'm so glad he thought of it because I just had no idea what was happening. Um, and I don't know. I was also probably just like out of it. But um, yeah, for him to think of that and for it to work that quickly. Like, yeah, just really grateful um, that, yeah, we found a solution. And yeah, it worked so quickly and it was able to finish. Um but yeah, I wasted, you know, like 30 minutes with that whole thing. So, um, and then like I finished the race and I still kept my third place, but, um, definitely like felt pretty like weak after that and, um, just like couldn't really get anything down. Um, and I just finished like super depleted and I think, cause it just took me forever to recover from that race. And I think it was just like a mix of the heat and then, yeah, getting so behind on salt and having the whole thing happen and then not eating well at all for the last 30 miles. So, um, right. yeah, definitely <laughs> finished like and felt pretty rough, but um, glad I was able well, to get it done. That's interesting that it was your first race of the season. That sounds more like a later race. You, like that's more, I feel like that's more characteristic of like an August, July race, but that was really early in your season. So like talk yeah. about a mental hurdle that you had to kind of like overcome. So how, I mean, you had some big races on the docket. I remember when I was, we were together and you were like, yeah, I put in for hard rock. Like I doubt I'll get it. I did my volunteering, <laughs> you know, I did everything I could, but like, there's no way I get it. And then I saw you like Thanksgiving and then I saw you end of Christmas and you're like, I got it. Like, I can't believe yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah. And so I remember like we were eating dinner together, celebrating, being like, I can't believe it. And like, I, it's incredible. So how did yeah. you go from like canyons where it was kind of a hot mess, literally, to having to kind of mentally prep for this huge race that's like renowned in the sport? Yeah, I think um, I had a good bit of time between. So um, and I also I told Olga, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Like I can just recover like take my time recovering from canyons and then just focus on training and like don't you worry about any more races until hard rock she's like yes well i'd like you to do this 50 miler and bighorn 50 miles. <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> she's like annie you will be running a 50 miler i yeah, hate to tell I you know. already paid for it <laughs> yeah. so it was like a really similar build up like i had for canyons um and 
yeah, I did like on my biggest training week, um, I did a 50 miler, um, leading up to canyons. It was like a training race. And, um, that was, I'd run that race two years ago and I took two hours off my time. It was cool to see like the progression and, but yeah. And then going into hard rock, like, I don't know. I, I think I might've just like built it up too much, like put too much pressure on myself. Um, cause I just felt like mentally exhausted by the time I got there. And then I think it turned into physical, like, um, it was just a really, that was like probably just the toughest day I've ever had. Like, in an ultra, wow. like even more so in canyons, like even though I went through a lot there too. But this was just like from the very beginning, like usually I have to hold myself back um, to stay on Olga's chart. And within the first like nine mile section, I was like 15 minutes behind her chart and I was pushing as far as I could to like make it there in time. And I like told her that I was like, I literally couldn't have gone any faster. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I just like, just something fell off and I don't know, like, my heart rate is all over the place, and, like, yeah, it was just weird, and, um, yeah, I, then it got really hot during the day, and just the mixture of, like, pushing really hard at altitude on these, like, really big climbs, um, and in the heat, and then there was a lot of dust, and, like, I started to have, like, breathing issues, um, it was definitely not altitude, it was definitely, like, the dust, um, so I was, like, I'm definitely acclimated, like, I live at 10,000 feet, um, I like run these yeah, you're, the you're acclimated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you aren't, no one is. Yeah, that was weird. Like throughout the the day, and then going into the night, like I all of a sudden just had like these horrible stomach issues. Like halfway through, I was like puking, and just then got pretty depleted from that. And then it got like really cold, and um, yeah, started to actually get the feeling that I had at Canyons with the hypernatremia, but like knew what to do this time. So I just like, as soon as I felt like the tingle in my hands, I was like, okay, we're getting so I can still talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then like by the end, it was just like total survival. Like I was just trying to, yeah, get through it. I could just barely breathe. Like I just had, I would have to stop every so often and just be like, <gasps> like <laughs> trying to, yeah. it's like, gosh, it's like, it was so frustrating. So like my legs are fine. It's just like, I can't breathe. It was so annoying. Um, yeah. Well, I've heard you say this before and I think this comes from the, you like your family and you guys say your body is your thought. And I love that because I think it's, it connects like the intuitive nature of like our movement and our body. Do you feel like looking back on that race, you were saying like, there was so much buildup do you feel like that really, like your body is your thought? Do you feel like that was a good example of a day like that? Yeah, I think so for sure. Like, um, yeah, I think, you know, it was just like such a huge opportunity just to do it. And so I was like, I have to make the most of it. Like this has to be like right. my best race. Like I had the best competition, you know, like Courtney and Annalise so, um, and a bunch of other like really strong women. I, yeah, really want to have a good race here. And um, it's also like my dream course. Like I love like mountainous courses like that. And I just think the San Juans are so beautiful. Like kind of put pressure on myself that way. And then also like, yeah, being sponsored, it's like I need, you know, results. So I mean, right. I just have like a good result there. Yeah, I don't know. There's just things like leading up to the race. I don't know. I'm a pretty like private person. And I think I the biggest thing I struggle with is like social media. And I just I wish I didn't have to have it. Um, like to be sponsored. Like <laughs> I wish I could just run and produce results. Like that's kind of what I think it should be. But 
Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, just, I struggled with like, um, they had like a movie crew there, like kind of doing like this video. And I really like the, um, the filmmakers, like they're really great guys and I've worked with them before and they're, they're like my friends. So, but it's still just like added something. I don't know, like just having cameras around, like I'm not super comfortable with that. Right. And I do feel like it's even harder when you know the people well, because you almost like gaslight yourself and you're like, why am I feeling like this? Like, I know these people. I've worked with these people. Like, why am I freaking out like this? Yeah. And it's almost harder to like recenter yourself because it's not so blatantly obvious what's happening. Like, you can't just like name it and move on. It's like, why? I don't know why this is happening. Right. Yeah. Well, I do think there is something to be said about like there are other stresses in our lives and when there are things outside of our control, like maybe it's interviewing for you or maybe it's school or work or learning uh, like a new job or something like that stress all comes from the same pot and the same well. It's like not separate. Even if your brain wants to put it in a little compartment and be like, this is my sponsored side of me. I have to do the what I have to do. Or this is my work side. I have to do this. It's like it all comes from the same well. And so whether you want to or not, like there is a bottom to it. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just the stress of like having to perform and then like my crew getting there. And like they're all my friends and like people I'm really close with. But it's still just like kind of stress. Like um, uh, I need to like make sure that they know like what they're doing and like kind of figure out a logistical plan and Olga helps out a lot with that and like takes a lot of stress off but um yeah it's just kind of a lot to think about like organizing all the people and where they're gonna go and like yeah it's just and then doing the interviews and um yeah racing is just kind of a lot (laughs) well and especially like at a race that's that built up you know like it's it really is like it's it's western states it's UTMB it's hard rock like those are the three and so Again, it's another notch in your experience tool belt to be like, okay, I did the thing. I know what that stress feels like. If I have to say no, I have to say no. Like that's yeah. really hard to understand. Right. Yeah, that's so true. I think, yeah, in the future, I just need to be better about that. <laughs> that's kind of what I took away from it. Um, and like, I'm I'm happy how I did it hard rock. Like even if I had my best day, I wouldn't have come in in front of Courtney or Annalise. Um, but it, so I'm happy with my place, but um I don't know I just I definitely could have run faster so <laughs> there's always another go right yeah <laughs> um one question that kind of sparked in my brain was like there are these challenges with running longer distances one is the really obvious it's just like it's hard to run these long distances right but what are like we've talked a little bit about like imposter syndrome and this added stress but like what are some challenges that you feel like you're still trying to figure out how to master in terms of this whole like ultra distance running thing like is it intimidation factor is it psychologic like how are you the human that does all this you know what I mean yeah (laughs) yeah I think the biggest thing like I'm kind of transitioning into right now and just sort of figuring out like um you know Olga has like helped me a ton um and just like yeah, like helping me learn all the things I need to know, like getting into the sport and just help me get up to this level, like much more quickly than I would have on my own. Um, but, you know, now she's, you know, she's busy this summer, so she's not gonna be able to help me with my races. And, you know, I did the Swiss Peaks race without her. Um, and that was my first race in a really long time where she wasn't there. So 
and I just noticed like um a big difference there like um without her so <laughs> I need to like now kind of learn how to do this more on my own and like not really depend on like having someone always there for me and like um yeah I don't know I I would really like to be self-sufficient like I'd love to do these just completely on my own but it's just so hard because to do them while well, like be competitive you really do need like a crew um I can see like going without pacers um you know it's like not always necessary but um yeah the crew is like really key to like helping you get through the aid stations and like getting all the things you need and I know like initiation being all foggy like <laughs> I'm not gonna be thinking as clearly as someone who like knows me knows what I need and has right. everything ready so yeah I need to figure out kind of <laughs> how I'm gonna go about that now <laughs> um but it's just frustrating yeah. so it's like uh, I, it's just a lot to ask to have someone crew for you or pace um you know they're giving up their sleep too and like you know you rush to wait like <laughs> You're always rushing to like get to the yeah. station and then you wait there for like hours like to come in. It's just like <laughs> so it's just a huge commitment. It's just like hard to ask people to do that for you. So um yeah. <laughs> but it's also like really like you need that to do well. So <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. It's and I don't think people fully like understand how big of a deal a really good support team is in these longer distances. Like yeah. a couple of people were asking me like, what is the biggest difference between like a smaller, like a marathon 50 K to like, I guess my question is when you go up in distance, what do you have to think about? And I think that's a huge thing you just said is your crew. I mean, like you lose yeah. that cognitive ability to problem solve and critically think Mm -hmm. Or you have to learn how to have it. So I guess that is my question. How? What do you think is the biggest jump between going from like kind of smaller distances to longer distances? Yeah, I think, you know, you just have to be so much more organized and there's a lot to plan out, like especially when you're going through multiple nights, like planning, okay, I need to pick up my headlamp here and my warm night clothes here and, um, you know, what if I end up being way later and need them earlier? So it's like yeah, just a lot of planning and predicting and, um, yeah, having a crew that kind of, they really do need to know you and, um, yeah, it's like, you can't just like have anyone there. <laughs> um, you kind of have to have someone who like knows the sport, like knows what you're doing and then it's really helpful if they know you too. Um, right. So, yeah, that's a big piece of it. Um, but I mean, there are people who do it completely alone um and have great success um but yeah that's a lot harder <laughs> um I can see without pacers like that's definitely one thing but the, yeah the crew I think is definitely key <laughs> so yeah totally I um during just the one ultra I did was and it was teeny tiny baby but I didn't have anyone like I didn't have a single person there because it was graduation weekend so it was like my oh. family was with my brother Oh and then gosh. it ended up being like 85 degrees. And I remember I was just talking to a woman before the race. And then I sat down. I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I have no clue. I don't even know what I need. I don't like this. I don't feel good. I feel <laughs> gross. Like all the things, you know, you feel all the emotions. Yeah. 
And she just looked at me and she's like, what can I do to help you? And I was like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know what I need. She's like, okay, I got it. And Kim, like, she had all these concoctions. She gave me what I needed. She filled up my, like, my bottles for me. She was like, all right, I'll see you on your next lap. Like, bye-bye. And I don't know her name. But that's, like, the vibe. You know what I mean? And it's not that all the time. But that interaction stuck with me for a really long time. For sure. That's really cool. And just, like. Yeah, says a lot about the sport. Like, it's a very welcoming community. And, like, you know, um, I feel like the crewing and pacing, like, you kind of have to give that back. Like, it's just kind of a part of the sport. So, like, I always try to crew and pace my friends as much as I can. Like, people have helped me. um, Because, yeah, that's, like, just as big a part of being involved with the sport as running the races. So. I love that. I think that's such a good point. And uh, yeah, like volunteer, like if you're not running the big race in your area, like find a way to volunteer for it. And honestly, it's really cool. And you learn so much in those experiences because you're basically studying other people and what they're doing and like seeing it through their lens, which is cool. For sure. And I think like if you're considering doing a hundred miler or um, something like that, you know, pacing is a really good way to uh, accruing, just kind of get some good way to like get some experience and see it and how it all works and um yeah be out in the course with the person like running that long and seeing what they're going through um it's a good way to like mentally prepare for what you're about to do if you've never done it before yeah that's really good advice and that was a big thing like people I think a lot of people are really interested in pursuing maybe not like ultra per se but just like doing the next distance you know trying to find their next kind of push to a distance whether it be like half marathon to marathon marathon to 50k 50k to 50 mile so do you have any like training advice for people that are trying to kind of and of course you're a coach so we don't want to give away all your tips for free but like what do you think is a big thing for people looking to kind of pursue their next distance I think you know just working up to it in small increments so like try a half marathon and then yeah move up to the marathon and then 50k um just kind of like that's how I did it I I did a 50k and I was like wow that was really fun like I'm gonna try a 50 mile now um so did that and then I was like all right I'm gonna try 100 mile and do 160 miles like do 200 miles so just kind of working up to it like step by step I mean there's some people that can just jump right into it like I had you know the athlete who finished my up 240 this year and had never run 100 milers I think you should just go by like what you're most inspired by um, and go for that. And I don't know, I think the 200s can be really intimidating to people, but I don't know, it's just, it's more, it's a totally different, it's almost like a totally different sport. Um, Whereas like hundreds, you know, the cutoff is a little bit tighter and like you do have to kind of like run a bit of it. (laughs) Um, Whereas the 200s, the cutoff allows you to like walk the whole thing um, as long as you're moving through the aid station. So it's like this, kind of glorified fast pack the training that I give like my athletes for the 200s is just like a lot of hiking um with their race pack and you know you have to carry a little bit more because there's more space between the aids and it takes longer to get to the aids um so yeah just getting used to have your pack and doing like some fast packing and like some you know I always recommend like the pacing through the night so you get some like running at night experience um and yeah working up to those long ones kind of that way. 
Oh, that's so cool. And I do think something that's really interesting is like you don't necessarily, so like at a certain point, your long runs are only so helpful. So I feel like it's just cumulative base. It's like over years yeah, of training, sure. not necessarily like these blocks. Like people think, oh, I'm training for a marathon. Like here's my 12 weeks of training. It's more like, yeah, I've I've been in this aerobic endurance environment for like 15 years or maybe like yeah. three years, you know? And I think I'm ready and excited for this and I'm ready to kind of like commit some time to to getting those miles in. Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing is just being consistent. Um, and, you know, running is a really cool sport because you do get out of it what you put into it. So, um, yeah, just like keep showing up every day and like you'll get faster. Like there's really not that much science to it. Like if you're just like if you're running like some every day, like you can definitely do a marathon or above you know like um yeah I don't think you have to like follow a specific training plan just to run a marathon like you just need to get out and run a bed each day (laughs) be fine literally I always say like especially when I'm not feeling like I just mentally some days I'm like god I really cannot handle this like I last thing I want to do is run but I heard you say this you were like I can always do three miles like at a certain point, I can always run or add on three miles. You know, I can always do three miles. And then the other thing I think of is just run for five minutes. And if you really hate it, go home. Yeah. But you never go home. You know, you're always right, like, I'm out here. I might as well do it. Yeah. <laughs> I always, because I definitely have those days, especially like in Leadville in the winter and it's like blowing snow and like, oh, I do not want to go out in the cold right now. Like, um, but I mean, a lot of times I'll do, like, if, if it's cold out, like, I'll just, it's just hard to, like, get out there. Um, and so I'll just, like, wear, like, a giant puffy and I'll, like, go run up the street, come back, like, I'll be all warmed up, throw the puffy inside. And I'm like, okay, like, I feel better about this. <laughs> so just, like. That's really good advice. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, and I know, like, I always tell myself, like, I just need to get out there and then I'll be fine. Like, so, um I think that's the biggest thing is just like turning the doorknob <laughs> literally putting your shoes on and turning yeah. the doorknob is the hardest part right <laughs> I'm glad that's a consistent like feeling amongst many people um yeah. Annie I want to talk a little bit about Swiss Peaks because I do feel like that's a race you're really like when we were talking before this you're like I that seems like something you were really like excited about I haven't heard a whole lot about it without having like your mentor your coach kind of like your human to run the show how did it go yeah, so I got really lucky. <laughs> um, I had ended up having an amazing crew, um, and I was originally just like planning to do the whole thing alone. Um, and I had a friend coming out to Europe with me because um, we did the UTMB um, or the Tour de Mont Blanc loop as a hike. Um, so it's a hundred miles around Mont Blanc, and um, we just stayed in the huts. They have these really nice huts that serve great food and there's beds <laughs> it's like <laughs> my kind people of people do it for sure people do it in a whole go you did it in a hut to hut to hut yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so I did that the first week we were there and then I had a week in Chamonix um before UTMB the race started um I had so many friends there so it was really fun to like hang out um and yeah, definitely not like the best taper before <laughs> um, <laughs> doing UTMB loop and then less than a week before a <laughs> 230 mile race. Um, but, you know, 
when you're in Europe, like you got to do all the things. When in Chamonix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just do it all. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I don't know, I think like I definitely was very intimidated, intimidated by this race because it was just like so different from anything I've ever done. Like, 86,000 feet of climbing <laughs> and I think it was closer to 90,000 feet of descent um and the downhills were I would say higher than the uphills just because like they were so steep and um it's like oh I could like run the downhills but they a lot of times they were super technical and then just like this gray that like you could barely run like and just like my feet just felt like they were gonna break off and like everything just felt like it was gonna crumble <laughs> like it was so painful to go downhill and then the ups just took forever and were like exhausting. Like you could not make up any miles in the ups. So it's just like, and it was either just straight down or straight out. Like, so it was just completely unrelenting. And it's like, like, oh my God, it's like horrible uphill. I'm never going to make it to like, my legs are going to break off. Yeah. And then it's just back and forth. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Like, I don't even know how I did that. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so when, yeah, I was pretty intimidated by that. I was like, I don't know. I'm just not even going to think about it. I'm just going to enjoy my trip, and then I'm just going to do that somehow. <laughs> that was my mentality. <laughs> so <laughs> that probably led to, like, not tapering very well. I was just kind of, like, trying to distract myself from, like, this huge thing I was about to do. Um, but, yeah, so my friend that I went with and did the UTMB loop, um, Gwen, she went – she was going to do her own race, Um Tour de Monte Rosa. And then I was going to meet her in the town where that race was after my race was done. And so we split up and I went to Switzerland. And then, yeah, she went to the town where her race was. And then one of my athletes that I coached, um, she lives in Germany and she and her husband have this van and they do all these really cool trips around Europe. And they were going to be in Switzerland. Um, yeah, that week. And her husband was actually doing the same race that Gwen was doing. And so they were going to end up in the town where she was at the end of my race anyways. Um, so it worked out really well because it was like finished and then go and I can meet up with Gwen again. Um, so it worked out perfectly. And, you know, they were so nice and like willing to help with crew and everything. And I just, I don't know, that's just like a lot to ask. And I had never, you know, I'd never met them in person before. Um, and so I, like, really didn't want to put that all on them to, like, crew me for this crazy long race. Like, <laughs> four days, five days, four nights, they'd have to, like, be up crewing for me. Um, <laughs> and, like, they'd never seen a race this long or, like, anything like that. Um, so I told them, I was like, oh, if you want to come to, like, the start and finish, like, that would be great, you know. And um, I was like, the finish would actually be the most helpful because... I didn't know exactly when I'd be finishing. Um, so I didn't know, like I knew it'd probably be somewhere sometime on Thursday, but I didn't know if it was going to be like at night or like early in the morning. <laughs> um, so I didn't book anything because I was like, what if I don't finish till like Friday or <laughs> I don't know. Um, so it was nice to have someone there um, whenever I finished <laughs> to like help me out with that. <laughs> um, and, but they ended up like just stepping up in such a huge way and there were, six like big life or um big aid stations um called life bases throughout the race and all of those you could have crew and um you could have access to your um follower bag so you get a duffel bag that's like provided by the race and then you put all your stuff in it and they just move it it's like a drop bag that 
one big drop bag that they moved throughout the race. Um, so yeah, I was, that's how I was going to do the whole race. I thought I was just going to do it, like see them at the start at the finish. And then I would just use my drop bag throughout, you know? <laughs> um, and you get access to the drop bag, um, every like 50 K about, and you know, that's not, like, doesn't sound that long, but like in that race, like 50 K would take like literally all day or like all night <laughs> to go like 30 miles. No, like, 50 just... K sounds like a lot. Annie, that's 31 miles. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy just to have, you know, the first 50, each 50K had at least like 11 or 12,000 feet of climbing because it was like 40,000 feet per 100 mile section, which is just, I mean, Hard Rock had 31,000 feet and that's like known as a very mountainous 100. So to have 40,000 feet <laughs> per 100, like. <laughs> um, that's insane, Annie. Yeah, it was crazy. And then all the parts in the elevation chart, because they would have the big, like, elevation profile of the race, like, at every aid station. So I'd go and kind of, like, see where I was. And it was almost nicer that way because I wasn't focused on what mileage I was at. I was, like, focused on each climb because um, I think it would really – it would be really easy to just get super overwhelmed because, like, the miles were not passing by. Like, it took forever to go, like, four miles. <laughs> You're like, perfect. I have 236 more to go. <laughs> But it is nice. That's actually such a good tip to be like, okay, visually, where am I on the race course? Because then you can kind of anticipate how hard it's going to be. Like, you only see uphill. You're like, that's going to be maybe good because it's not downhill. But, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was. um, And like all the parts that looked a little bit more tame. I was like, okay, I can probably like run through that part. Like, it looks like it's going to mellow out. And then I get to that part and be like this long boulder field, like technical thing that I couldn't run. Like, I mean, this guy who was a literal day hiker, he had a giant pack and like hiking boots on. He was passing me. We kept like yo-yoing, like <laughs> I would pass him on like any downhill that was like somewhat runnable. And then we get to like a boulder section and he would like blow passing him. <laughs> I'm like running here. <laughs> I was like, that just goes to show, like, this is not, like, a whole, like, this is definitely not a running race. <laughs> oh, my God, Annie, that's insane. You were just being passed by a day hiker? And what miles were you at? Like, eight, like 180 or something? <laughs> I think I was only, like, 130-some miles in, but I had already gone through, like, two nights at that point, because it just took, yeah, it took Forever. all day to go, like, 30 miles, and then all night to do, like, 20 miles um or so so like I don't know I was doing somewhere between like 50 and 60 miles a day um well like in a 24-hour period um yeah to finish in like five days <laughs> um yeah and I definitely like took longer at the aid stations um I, just because I, I kind of had to like you just have to take better care of yourself in those long ones so like I'm just so glad I had Lizzie and David, that's the couple that helped me. And, um, yeah, they, like, I just know I would have come into the aid and been like, like, I don't know what I need in this bag. Like, (laughs) um, so they were able to like have all my stuff out laid out and they like knew what I need needed and, um, like stuffed my pack and like fill up the water and like had food ready and they'd like time me if I needed to take a nap. Um, which some of those aids I took like a 45 minute nap, like one aid station I spent two and a half hours at. I took, I took, well, I took forever to eat, and then I took a 45-minute That nap. is so on brand. I know. 
You were the slowest eater in the world and you've been like that literally forever. I know. (laughs) That is hilarious. I know. Like, Annie, if you said you took forever, it must have truly been forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, two and a half hours, like. I was leaving the aid, and Lizzie was like, yeah, so you, you took two and a half hours there, or like, whatever. And I was like, two and a half hours? Like, I've never done two and a half hours at aid station. But <laughs> I took the nap, and then they had a massage therapist there, and I was like, oh, Lizzie, I think I'm going to go get a massage. She was like, okay. <laughs> I know if Olga was there, she would have been like, you're getting out now. But <laughs> I was like, oh, Olga's not here. I'm going to sleep, and I'm going to get a massage, and I'm going to eat. <laughs> Oh my god, it's like a vacation. That is so that is so funny, Annie. You're like, I no one's gonna tell me to leave, so I'm not yeah. gonna leave. I know. I definitely didn't have like the best competitive mindset, I feel like. <laughs> but um I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean the it's top fine. two women like I did take it out way too fast um like I was waiting for the first like 30 hours and then I got past um at the aid station I was sitting there eating (laughs) and the two the two girls come in and um they had already each slept 45 minutes and I hadn't slept yet I was like oh shoot like and I was really tired like I needed to sleep that was my first like actual sleep of the whole race um, and so I was like, they've already slept 45 minutes and like still caught me. Like I should definitely like nap now. <laughs> um, so I nap and then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna like try to hold on to like third. And I'm standing in the bathroom brushing my teeth and I look over and the fourth place girl is standing there brushing her teeth. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, she caught me. Like, <laughs> You're like, I'm going to brush faster. Pass me in the bathroom brushing my teeth. <laughs> And then I was, like, staring at her kind of, like, for a long time. So I was like, is she in the race? Like, she looks so clean. <laughs> she looks really, like, put together. <laughs> and then I ended up leaving before her. Um, and I was, like, really trying. It was, like, a huge crime leaving that aid station. I was like, okay, I'm just going to, like, really <laughs> try to push and, like, put some time. Push really hard the rest of the climb. Push really hard in the descent. And then I got into, like you know, two or three AM hours, which are just like really tough in general. That sleep is so uncomfortable when you're like that exhausted and like having to keep moving in the cold, dark woods. Like it's just the last thing you want to be doing. Um and so I like finally got to the aid station and the guy working it was like asleep. <laughs> and I was like, uh I'm not gonna try to wake him up, you know, I'm just gonna like get what I need. And so I'm like over there like trying to get my food and everything. And he wakes up and doesn't speak a word of English and is, like, trying to talk to me. And that was, like, way more exhausting than just trying to, like, think through it myself in my foggy brain. I was like, uh, I can't. <laughs> I can't do this right now. <laughs> I can't communicate with you. And, like, it's just exhausting trying to, like, <laughs> I'm already exhausted. And, like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. So I just, like, let, got out of there. I was like, I just need to get out of there. Like, Merci beaucoup. Like, <laughs> I'm getting out of here. Um, <laughs> And I like got like a mile up the trail and um, took a sip, went to take a sip of water. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like didn't fill up any of my water while I was there. I was like, well, I'm not going back. Like, that's going to be like two miles extra. And I was like, maybe there'd be somewhere to like filter up here. And it was like nice. I wasn't like that thirsty. It was like 
pretty cold out. Um, but yeah, and I had some Coke there. So that like, I don't know, kind of clenched my thirst and like woke me up a little bit. Um, but then like the crash, like having a crash happened, <laughs> like even worse than before. And like started tripping over everything. And I was like, the sun's going to come up in like 30 minutes. Like I just need to like hold on. Um, but it's <laughs> like, okay, I just, I'm going to take a three minute nap because it was just getting really bad and I was moving really slow. Um, and so I like go and lay down, take a nap for three minutes, like wake up and I like, yeah, turn my headlamp down to the ground, like as I'm getting up and I realized I had used <laughs> cow pie as a pillow. <laughs> and it was like dry, but like still. <laughs> I'm just sleeping in this cow poop. <laughs> oh my gosh. If they ever said that professional ultra running was glamorous, that disproved it. Yeah. But yeah, and then I got to the next aid station and that's where I spent the two and a half hours because I was just, I don't know, I got in there and I was just like, hadn't drank in like hours and was really out of it. So Slept in a cow pie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> walked a 40 minute mile <laughs> somehow I, I don't even know how like I thought I was moving like I don't know how it was that slow <laughs> like I just you, you your watch goes off you're like four zero oh my god <laughs> I thought it was more like four <laughs> I know oh so that seems like that race in general just seems very much like I don't want to say goofy because that's not the vibe, but it wasn't like ultra. So we start with canyons, which was ultra competitive. You're going out there yeah. to like do what you can, have a good result. But then we have like this race towards the end of your season, which very much feels like an experience that you just want to like really kind of be in that international vibe, in the in the vibe of UTMB, like experiencing yeah. a distance that you love. Would you totally. do it differently? Would you do a different race? Would you, like, what would you have done differently about everything? Oh, I mean, I I just loved that race so much. Like, it's, like, by far the, my most favorite race I've ever run. And, like, I'm, wow. like, so sad I can't do it next year. Like, <laughs> um, I really want to do it again. But, um, yeah, I, I would do a lot of things differently. I think I went into it the right mindset, like, just, you know, knowing that it was just going to be this whole new experience. Like I definitely like mentally prepared myself for that. And like, I didn't put pressure on myself. I was like, this right. is like more for me. Like, um, you know, I wanted like canyons and hard rock to be like kind of my good result races, but this was just mm -hmm. like, you know, a race that I wanted to do like for myself. Like it's not like something he'll ask me to do or like, um, encourage me to do. It was like something I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, I just, I felt like my motive for, like, being there was a little bit more pure and, like, kind of reminded me of, like, why I love this sport so much. And it was just, like, refreshing to, like, go into a race and, like, you know, you know, I wanted to be competitive, like, I wanted to do my best, but I also, like, yeah, just was more there for, like, the adventure and just to gain experience. Um, so, yeah, it was just, I think next time, like, I'll just, I'll know what to expect a bit better, like, just that course was so much harder than like I could even imagine. I was like, well, I've done hard rock. Like I'll be prepared for this. And like nothing right. I've ever done before prepared me for that. Like there's nothing in Colorado that can prepare you for those mountains. Like, you know, we have the altitude they don't have, but um, you know, so I feel like I wasn't like 
it wasn't taking as much out of me, like, breathing-wise, you know, to do those climbs, but um, the climbs lasted, like, three times as long, so, like, <laughs> it just took so much more out of me, like, just climbing forever, and the descents last forever, um, so, yeah, I think next time, like, I would want to spend some time, like, training on the course or, like, similar terrain out there, because, yeah, um, I guess you could do repeats on these mountains, but I don't know, you can't really get the same effort because you can't, like, quite push as hard as you can out there because it's lower altitude, so, I don't know, it's, right. like, a very unique, like, unique terrain, like, unique environment, and, um, yeah, I'd, like, spend some time training out there before, and then, I don't know, just have, I guess, a little more sense of urgency at the aid stations. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was nice for a change just to kind of like take care of myself a little bit better. And I don't know. I also went into it kind of with that, like as being like more of a goal. Like I was like, I want to actually stop and take care of myself um, because I'm not going to have like a pacer. Like, you know, I need to stay a little bit more with it <laughs> um, <laughs> because like, I don't know, I just get so out of it being that sleep deprived and like that physically right. taxed. Like, um, and you need to, like, yeah, be with it enough to, like, know where you're going and, um, yeah, move well over, like, really technical terrain. Like, the last night of the whole entire race, um, you know, I'm, like, 200 miles in. And they sent us down this, like, really ledgy, like, cliff that had chains. Like, you hold onto the chain that's, like, bolted into the side of the cliff. And then there's, like, kind of ledgy rocks that you scoot down <laughs> and all the rocks were like really wet because it was like early morning like dew um and so they're so slippery so I'm just like death gripping these chains like lowering myself to like this cliff like 200 miles in like completely alone in the middle of the night like <laughs> haven't slept in like days I'm like this is really safe <laughs> you're like I am really nervous right now yeah. <laughs> but I also don't feel anything inside yeah exactly <laughs> That's such a good point, though, Annie, that you were saying about, like, you did everything you could to prepare yourself for a race that you thought was totally in your wheelhouse, which I would agree. You would think that running, like, a race like Hard Rock, which wasn't easy for you, like, mm. would prep you, do be a really good prep. You know, that was a tough experience. You got through it. You're like, if I can get through that, I can get through anything, you know? Yeah. And it's sometimes not always the case. You got to use like right. a really critical eye to be like, what is different about that? And I, I lose that critical eye with stuff when I'm looking for goals. I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll handle it. I've done hard stuff. I can do this. Like what's yeah. one more thing. But in reality, like that critical eye can save you a lot of like effort and time and energy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. And like a lot of Something I was also thinking about, too, is, you know, um, sometimes you just have to, like, go put yourself out there, even though you, like, really have no business doing it, and then just, like, gain the experience, and then you can go back and see what you change and, like, do it better, but um, I don't know, like, are you really ever ready to, like, run 230 miles through <laughs> with 86,000 feet climbing? Like, <laughs> no, so, like, um, might as well just, like, go out and do it and, like, see how you do, and then kind of use the experience like improve next time I think you can apply that to so many things in yeah. life like, you can apply that to like literally anything that's outside your comfort zone or that scares you a little bit I think that's really really good advice Annie what's on the docket for you this 
this season? Are you able to tell us a little bit or like what are things that you're excited about in the upcoming months and stuff? Yeah. Um, so next year I have a, so I'm required to do a race in the UTMB world series every year. Um, cause Hoka sponsors, um, UTMB. So, um, yeah, that's kind of part of my requirement. And so Canyons was my UTMB race, um, this year. And then, um, yeah, next year, like I just, I really had fun like racing internationally and like, it's just a really cool way to explore a different country. Um, so I was like, and there's so many cool UTMB races around the world. So I was like, man, I really want to do another like international um, UTMB race. Um, so, you know, my stepmom, Anna, is from Argentina. And there's um, a really cool UTMB race there. So my dad and Anna are going to um, go with me to do that one in May. And it's 125K, so like 80 miles. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really excited for that one. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I really wanted to get that UTMB race, um, out of the way before I start my next three races. Cause those are going to be really committing, but I'm doing the triple count of two hundreds. Um, so yeah, three, 200 mile races. Um, and there's like about a month in between each one. Um, so, or maybe a little over a month. Um, but yeah, I'm doing, Tahoe 200 in June and then Bigfoot 200 in August and then Moab 240 in October. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I've done Moab 240 before, so it'll be fun to end it with like a more familiar one. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a fun season. Like I really wanted to do Tahoe 200 and there's a lottery for it. And then you know, I was also interested in doing Bigfoot and there's water for that. And then um, I was like, and I'd love to do Moab 240 again. So I was like, might as well just do all three. <laughs> there's no lottery for doing all three. Like they have the triple crown as like a separate registration. So I was like, I'll just do that. And then I can do all of them. <laughs> oh my God, Annie, that's insane. Talk about finding a sport that you totally full love. Like that is full love right there. That's so cool. That's going to be amazing, oh, Annie. Oh, thank you. Like I, yeah, I just love the, that distance so much. So um, I think it'll be fun to just fill my whole season with those races. And I'm really interested to see like how the recovery is in between and kind of navigating that because I've only done one 200 each year. So, um, yeah, be interesting to do multiple and see what happens. It's going to be so cool. I remember you would always, I feel like those were the races that you a get the most excited for like mm -hmm. Cocodona, Moab, like, like your one in Switzerland, like all these ones, I, you just like light up when you talk about it and it's always, you only get one of them, you know, in the last couple of years, you've like had to balance a lot of other demands. Yeah, right. So <laughs> the fact that you get all, you get your, you get work, your yeah. UTMB work one. That's also going to be so cool. I've yeah. heard really cool things about that Argentina race. And then like three races that you almost were all going to do anyway. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so fun. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Well, Annie, thank you so much for like your expertise and just like talking through all these things that are hard and fun and people are so interested in. So we really appreciate like all your knowledge and sharing it with us. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> 
You can find us over at In Her Nature Pod on Instagram and TikTok. If you like today's episode, please share it with a friend, rate, and review us where you listen. We are currently looking for podcast sponsors and advertising partners that align well with our brand, so reach out if you'd like to work with us. Music today by Tommy Z with The Porch Flowers, and our logo is done by the amazing Riley Johnson at rej.creative. Don't forget, the stuff is in your nature.